All right, a little after four, the Giants have been the topic of the day. And, you know, the Giants were known for having, go back to the 86 team and the Suburbanites, not stars, but guys who were lunch pail guys on the line and guys like Oates and then bringing in guys like Jumbo who had really, you know, really solid, terrific careers, but lunch pail guys. And then guys who were, you know, tough and versatile, like, you know, Sorbet and Deal's a perfect example of that. I mean, and, you know, and then tough guys like Snee and, and, you know, but versatile, tough guys, unsung heroes, not guys who needed to be, you know, treated like, you know, guys who got made a zillion dollars or, you know, got a non-fetention, but always did the job. And that's what the Giants were made on. And now this thing has gotten to be a disaster. And it shows you what happens. When your offensive line falls apart, it's it just takes the rips the heart out of your uh, of your of your team because you can't you can't operate you can't play, and that's where the Giants are right now. So I said, let's get one of these guys on. And David Deal joins us now, who was really wanted a ter- I mean, Deal was a guy who they move him to left tackle. Hey, we need a left tackle. Boom, play there. We needed a guard. Boom, play there. Play wherever he needed to play and played well wherever he. Uh, and I don't say that because he's on the air with us right now. But I know this is tricky for you. You don't want to be beating up these linemen. But let's be honest. I mean, that was a nightmare last night. It was, uh, I mean, definitely a nightmare when you're sitting there watching a game like that and the magnitude of, of where you're at in your football season. Granted, I know people always say, well, it's only week two. You know, this is a new football team. But you, you have to build some confidence as a football team and that there's like recipe in what you've been doing during the off season, throughout training camp to move forward and be able to install more things in your offense and your defense. And when you look at last night's football game, number one, you know the momentum that the Dallas Cowboys are going to come out storming. You better weather that storm and start fast and come out swinging because if you don't, this game can get ahead of you and far away from where you're at right now currently very, very fast. And when you sit there and think about you know, not only just the opening three-play, 75-yard touchdown drive they had in the beginning, but anybody knows. What do you think that they're going to do after this Carolina game? Establish the run. And if they don't do it with Ezekiel, one of the things that they talked about, that it was going to be more Dak-centric, they were going to run the read option stuff. And you knew that these things were going to happen coming in. When you give up three runs of over 15-plus yards in the opening two drives, that's not a sign of a disciplined football team. And you talk about history not repeating itself defensively. You know, we've seen throughout the preseason and last week in the key critical moment of a football game, letting Blake Bortles break contain and have that huge quarterback sneak, that was the, the nail in the coffin for what the Jaguars needed offensively. And it was the same thing. It just happened early on. And for this Giants offense, you know, it's not a thing like you were talking about, blue-collar guys, tough guys. It's not a thing about just only fighting. It's about understanding and knowing your assignments. There's absolutely no excuse at this point that there should be any confusion on who well, it was you have. Mass confusion. I mean, you got Soul to come out after the game and make the comment that he made. He said, uh, "Stunts, blitzes. We didn't pick up any of it. How you saw guys vacating the hole? I mean, you saw guys. I mean, they, they you. There must have been five or six guys unchecked to the quarterback last night, and most of it was schematic. Maybe one time, maybe one time Lawrence beat his guy. Other than that, it was schematic almost all night that they were just they, they were coming untouched to the quarterback. And that's the thing that's the problem about this is it's not only just knowing your assignment, but it's about being able to communicate. You think about the six sacks, two of them were on Shane Smith, the fullback. Listen, if you're a fullback in the NFL, you better be the hammer. You are an outlier. They, a lot of teams don't carry him anymore. 
So when you're in there for that sole purpose, to pick up a blitz, and Eli motions you over to the side and says, hey, Heath is coming off of the edge. You better go and drill that guy and not be settling back and letting him just rush around the edge. And those are the things that, that really concern you is that it's not just about fighting. It's just about picking up the basic fundamentals of what it means to be a football player in a, a position that you're in when you're down and you're in third and longs. And it's just you need to continue to grow and develop together. That's with this offensive line. You think about the short and intermediate routes that were almost an extension of the run game to Saquon Barkley. That's all fine and great. But at some point, it comes down to just moving and kicking the ass of the guy across from you. And that's where this offensive line needs to go, and that's where this football team needs to go. Right, well, let's so, touch on some of these right now. Solder comes in, he gets $62 million, okay? And I, I, they overpay on the free agent market. We understand that. And you get an Hernandez who's a top draft pick. The guy's draft pick 34th in the draft. So you figure, okay, they're newcomers. They're on the left side. They can handle it. You know, you're going to be a good tandem, the whole thing. They Listen, we're killing the right side, absolutely. And now they lose the center. He, gets, he breaks his leg. But they, the left side, they haven't been any better. They have done a terrible job themselves. And then that's the thing that everybody last week was just hammering flowers. Well, he wasn't the only one that had a bad game last week. And that's the same thing that comes to this week as well. You know, we would get in certain situations. And I'm not talking about, you know, when we were all fully gelled and played season togethers. But I'm talking about even in the beginning. If you're in the third down and it's anything plus six, if you see a, a linebacker on the outside of the edge looking like he's going to blitz, you know that you're going to get a stunt inside by the D-tackle and the defensive end. And at that point when you see that, we would just communicate across the line something like bingo, bingo, bingo. Hey, something's coming. Just everybody take a kickback off of the offensive line. And let it separate itself. But when you don't communicate those things, and the guard's at one level, the tackle's at another level, and nobody's talking, that's where you run into the issues, and they split you. You get a guy coming free around, and, and Eli's getting the hits that he took like last he did last night. Well, he took that the one time late in the game, he took maybe the worst hit I've ever seen him that take. That Jalen Smith oh, that is a, probably one oh. of the worst I think I've ever seen him take. I think the worst. Uh, with, with David Dealer did a great job. Now he does the uh, – you see him on the post game on TV last night. He's on – does the show with Moose on 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings, among his other stuff that he does. Longtime giant lineman who did a tremendous – job as a versatile guy who could play multiple positions, which I know is important now, but let's just talk past just talent. How about the idea of today where you know this is crisis mode, that coach is talking to the coordinator, talking to the line coach, Hunter, and saying, hey, we got to do, we got to go to work. Now they're going against Clowney, Merciless, Watt. I mean, not only that, they're going in there having been embarrassed by the Cowboys. Tell me what you think's going on and how they can possibly make this not be such a, a problem going forward? Well, I think the, the key of, of running the football, which is imperative to any offense, is just being making sure that you're, you're ahead of the chains on first and second down. One of the things, if you look at Saquon Barkley rushing the football in the Jacksonville Jaguars game compared to the Dallas Cowboys game, you knew that he was putting his foot in the ground and he was getting as many yards as he possibly could rushing to where he still had the tendency in the Jaguars game to try to bounce it outside, maybe trying to jump over the top when 
you know, it's, it's a short yardage situation. You're 230. Put your shoulder down and get the two yards. So I think he did a much better job uh, I of that. So too. I thought so, too. Yes. Yeah, and so I think he did a much better job of that. But one of the things that, obviously, with the zone scheme, that is a, a great asset of that is you can just tee off and roll with those things to where you're working about basically man on or inside if you're front side or back side. So you basically can freely flow and you can get double teams and more meshes with those. But the key with that is you need to get screen games. You need to get misdirection. And that's the one thing that the adjustment that they were able to make in the Jaguars game in the second half that was a key adjustment. They just weren't successful doing it. If you get a screen in there or if that OBJ reverse goes around, now all of a sudden that backside defensive end and that will weak side linebacker, they're going to have to have that split-second hesitation because they're going to have to respect containment and that outside. So what that has allowed you to do is you can roll with those double teams, and it's going to get you an extra two or three yards in the zone scheme running the football because that split-second hesitation they have on the backside. So those things all come into play. Now it's just about going out and executing it and communicating with one another. I think that Pat Shermer will do a good job of weathering this storm. I think he knows and he's been through these situations before. But really, it's up to the players to challenge one another and challenge themselves so that when they go into this game in Houston, they don't walk away with their regret saying that we walked away, we should have prepared for this, we didn't know that. That's the one thing as a football player you do not have an excuse for. You're going to get beat. There's guys on the other side of the ball that get paid too. But there's no excuse for getting beat when you don't know your assignment and what you're supposed to be doing on the football field. Talking with David Deal. David, I don't know why this happened. A couple of people asked about it, and it comes to play now big time. First of all, some of us were surprised that Jones got beat out for the center spot, which he did. And then they traded him. Uh, now Greco's the backup. He's a longtime backup. They lose the starting center. He goes down. He breaks his ankle and breaks his lower leg. I mean, a nightmarish uh, injury last night. Any reason why they traded Jones rather than keep him as a guy on the, uh, for depth on the line? Well, the thing is, is that Jones played extremely well last season. We saw him come in and play. And I will say this, you know, throughout the, the preseason and throughout training camp, Jalapia was one of the most improved players I thought throughout, not only just the technique and fundamentals, but just the more learning, grasping, and, and leadership of being able to call things out. I think the one thing that we don't know if this is true or not, but figure with the Jones trade, you know, it was a win-win. Not only do you get money back, and at that time they were still working with the OBJ contract, but also they were able to get a seventh-round pick. Who's to say after that fourth game with that extra seventh-round pick that they weren't checking to see if there were any other guards or tackles or anybody else available out there that they could have been brought in to not only be a swing tackle, but to obviously maybe challenge Eric Flowers at the right tackle position. And the other thing that you had is the versatility. Greco is a veteran center. He can play center, both guards. He's played for two of Pat Shermer's teams. He knows this offense inside and out. So having him in front of Eli Manning as a vested veteran that knows this will give Eli Manning more confidence moving forward that you know he can have some more taken off of his plate because Greco can call all the protections. He can go from weak to strong. So it'll just take more for Eli to now be able to diagnose coverages and get the ball out of his hands. Do you uh, can you uh, paint any kind of optimistic picture for this offensive line after what we've seen in two weeks, which well, looks like a nightmare? 
Well, that's the thing. It, it, we all know that getting together and starting off is a work in progress. Yeah, there's going to be times that things happen. But like I said, when it comes to blitz pickup, when it comes to communication, when it comes to signs where, you know, Hernandez on the one where he gave up the sack and the forced fumble, he knew where he was going but got too tied up in the nose tackle, the speed of it. Those are things that, number one, he needs to know his assignment, but the speed of it, he shall improve. But when it comes down to it, the technique and fundamentals of being able to control the ground game on first and second down are going to be imperative because when you look at this Giants team this season, not only just the sacks and the pressures, but out of all their runs, they're averaging 0.8 yards per before the running backs get contact. That's last in the That's NFL. That's a joke. The average is 2.4. Hey, Barkley last night, I thought, did a great job. He was trying to spin in the backfield every play. He was getting hit before he ever got to the line of scrimmage on every down. There wasn't a single Cowboy that could have tackled him one-on-one, -on -one, and that was evident last night watching that game. No question, but there wasn't one time where he actually had a hole to run in either. No, and that's the thing for all these running backs. If you were able to start being able to grind down and wear defenses, if you can get Saquon Barkley to the second level, he will get that oh, home run it. hit and he will take it to the house. Forget it. Not only that, see, you made a great point that they, the Giants are not making defenses at all have to honor their explosiveness at all because they're getting blown up at the line of scrimmage. And that was the big thing. You know, there were shots and there were opportunities down the field for OBJ where he was open, but there wasn't enough time in the protection because it's a third and long. They're getting blitzes and Eli has pressure on them. Oh, ridiculous amount of pr I mean, Eli took a – I mean, that, that was a nasty night, and I don't care who the quarterback is or how long he's been quarterback. Any quarterback that cannot handle that kind of pressure. I mean, that was an enormous amount of pressure last night. It was, but once again, Eli's shown his toughness, getting up, bouncing back off of the ground, and continuing to go out there and fight. It's now just about making sure you protect him, and like I said, investing in the ground game and making sure you utilize – Odell Beckham Jr. and Sterling Shepard. He's a player that we had high expectations for. We heard about how he was playing, and I saw how he was playing in training camp. He's got to capitalize on more opportunities. Do you, you know, it's funny. Uh, the fans watch and they see Tom Brady go on the sideline and rip his linemen apart on the sideline and say, oh, I'd love to see Eli do that. Now, Eli's never going to do that. I mean, does that bother a lineman when they got Tom Brady in their, in his, in their face on the sideline? Or do they, they're used to that and it doesn't bother them? I mean, you have to stay true to who you are and the character of who you are as a person because if you're not a yeller and a screamer and that guy, you can't be fake. Everybody will see right through it. But Eli will identify. He'd come up to the offensive line and say, hey, we need to pick this shit up. Oops, part of my language, but he would that and he would say things that were coming and he would identify blitzes and things. He would say it to the wide receivers and the running backs and he would give you the look like, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. If you do it again, you're not going to be out here on the field. And those are the things that you see out of him. Now it's a collective effort of everybody in the offense, all 11, just knowing, understanding your assignment. And then from that point on, then you can go play free football and go out there and not have to think because that split second of thinking and not reacting, that's what costs you football games. You look at the Giants, and we're talking with David Deal, of course, uh, who obviously does a lot of football now. I saw him last night in the post game on TV. You see him on, uh, with the fan on uh, Sunday morning with Mark Malusis on the football preview show at 9 o'clock. Uh, you look at this line right now, and it looks like it can't block anyone. And then the names this week are Watt and Clowney and Merciless, probably individually the best group. And now so far they haven't gotten to the quarterback a lot, and Clowney sat out last week. But 
that na- the names of those guys are enough to scare people when they think about the matchups this week. How about that? I would definitely say that. I mean, that was the downfall of the Houston Texans last year. They first lost their defense, and then they lost Watson, and the season was over. So that's an easy thing to say when you see the way that it's been throughout history without having those players defensively on the field. So it definitely raises your eyebrows and makes you understand that you can't have another game like you had last night on Sunday Night Football happen again. And you need to pick up things in regards to, like I said, not only assignments, but just understanding and respecting that as a New York Giant, it's about going out there and competing and representing this organization the way that it should be. And, and you're not only thinking just about Watt, Merciless, and Clowney. You know, think about the zone, the read option, and bootlegs. Well, Deshaun Watson is an expert at those. When you, when, do, you, do you sense that this is a – like we look at this, and I even look at it right now and say this is a crisis for this line right now. Do you sense that, or do you think with regular gameplay they're going to get acceptable, they're going to get better, or is there a chance this is just going to be what we're looking at every week with this line? I think that there's definitely an opportunity for them to get better. I think it just comes down to them buying in, selling out for one another, and making sure that when they go into games, there's not a stone unturned in regards to film preparation, communication, and making sure that no matter what, for four-plus quarters, from the start of the game to the last, you're going to fight and scratch and claw and do whatever it takes for four-plus quarters. And I think there's that, that thing that's just going to have to come from within inside and from that room. It's nothing from what people can say on the outside. It's just a conscious decision that they have to say enough is enough. What would Flaherty be saying to you guys today? Well, well, early on, that you could print, you couldn't print it. But I mean, what? what oh what, no, yeah. he would definitely. I mean, we would talk about a, a game regardless of whether it was a win or a, a loss. It wasn't going in and watching highlights. It was going in and watching lowlights. It was a personal call-out meeting, and it was hammering out everything that you specifically did wrong that every other defensive line, defensive end, linebacker, or coordinator are going to look at and try to exploit. And it's, there's, there's tough loves better than no love. And because when you win football games, it's easy to wipe those things under the carpet. But when it, you lose, they're just that much more glaring. And, and, you know, as long as I've played sports, as long as I've played football, you know, when you're getting yelled at when that's happening, it's not at you as a person. It's at what you did. And you need to man up and be a football player. Do you, is it, was it realistic to expect new faces? You had, one guy in a new position, the other four guys, all new guys. Was it? Did you expect it to be this bad? I mean, you as a veteran lineman, did you say the cohesiveness is going to be a huge problem the first couple of weeks? Did you expect it to be that bad? Well, you, you just really don't know because you don't get that much time throughout the offseason and throughout minicamp and training camp to really work on it. You know, I know everybody talks about the CBA and, you know, the, the offseason program. It hurts the offensive lineman the most because you have to work on meshes and double team. You have to be able to be physical and hit because otherwise you don't know what it's like to move a man from point A to point B up against his own will, and you don't build up that callus that you need as an offensive lineman to be able to go out and fight for four-plus quarters for a full season. That's the biggest thing that you have to do, and you have to build that continuity is as a football player, you know the only day that you feel 100% and great is the day before training camp. Now it's being accountable to one another, looking at each other in the eye and saying, I will fight for you no matter what the obstacle is. 
And that's what we built, and that's the type of football teams that we had. Does a line, does a leader have to emerge on that line, David, or can the coach do that himself? I think definitely the coach has one aspect of it without a doubt, but it does. It comes down to your peers, and like I said, that accountability factor. It's one thing if a coach says something to you, but it's another thing if a current and player that you're sitting in the locker room and next to the huddle says something to you. So it definitely comes down to leadership. All right. So are you in any way optimistic off this nightmare last night, or are you worried? Well, you know what? I I mean, obviously, when a game like that takes place, it does cause concern and worry because this is something that we've dealt with all throughout last season. So it does. But the sheer fact that we need to do is – If this is the first year, it's the second game, and now we're going into the third, and it's a new system with new players coming in with a completely turned-out roster, you do have to believe the process. But at the same time, what do you need to see? You have to see progress. Thanks very much. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Thanks, Mike. All right, David Deal, back after this.